S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Sammy Rye here with another podcast from Sammy Rye. And this week we're talking Doctor Strange 2. And yes, there will be nothing but spoilers, right? I, I realize there's a lot of people who do like reviews and talk about things. And I never want to dedicate an entire episode of a podcast to just like one game, one movie. But Doctor Strange 2 is such an amazing film. And really, you know, being the focus of this podcast, typically around art and business, my, my main thing I enjoy about art is writing and directing. That's my main um, ambition, I guess you would say, when it comes to films. So when I think, what, 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 could I, what could I say that hasn't already been said by everyone else doing Doctor Strange content and talking about Doctor Strange? I think really, just my perspective from a writer, from a director, from a fan of the Marvel Universe, also from the comics, to so many different things that I have in, in my personal background, and not really doing it to get you to click on a video or something like that, just wanting to talk about it, right? Just expressing how I feel to anyone out there who wanted to listen, and kind of just going over some of the things I'm finding on the web and giving you my take on the overall filmmaking process to, to this Doctor Strange 2 film. So again, spoiler warnings, um, it's already been a few days after opening weekend since Doctor Strange has come out. And obviously, if you guys don't want any spoilers, then stop the episode. Maybe check it back later. Um, and pretty much that's what you're going to get from me this episode. Is just I'm going to look into all the things going on around, not just what happened in the film, but the entire process. And take a look back on how do we get here and where do I think it's going from a writer's perspective, from a fan of the, the universe, and some other things that I'm seeing on the web outside of the movie. All right? So without further ado, Doctor Strange 2, obviously, I, I kind of like the film. I enjoyed it a lot, actually. I loved it. It was amazing. Um, it's it's crazy at this point, you know, to see Marvel getting better as time goes on. I want to point out how, you know, there was a big conversation, I think, a little bit before Black Panther came out, I guess around Iron Man 3, um, where people were starting to say, you know, will people start experiencing superhero fatigue? That was a word that all the press was running around with. Anytime a film did a little bit bad or didn't do, you know, a billion dollars at the box office, they would say, oh, is it superhero fatigue? Is everyone giving up? And to think that, I mean, all these years later, we're seeing Marvel, I believe, I mean, I think it's not even a debate. They're doing better than they've ever done before. They have the cartoons, the what-if cartoons. They have the TV shows, several TV shows they've already been able to launch that have all done well. Um, you have all the films that they've done, obviously, and they're moving into, I believe, what they refer to as phase phase four or phase five. I think it's phase four of of all their films. And someone pointed out, I saw that you know since Black Widow's come out, there's been five movies in the Marvel universe that are all in this new phase, which is crazy because I don't feel like even a new phase has started. It's it's weird. I guess like with Avengers and Iron Man one, it was clear that like now these are started. I think Avengers and Avengers 1 is the first time they see, they see Thanos. And I don't think we've had a new Avengers film or a new film that tells you like what's coming. It, in one way, it seems like Loki is really the film that's showing you what's coming if Kang the Conqueror is going to be the next big thing. But at the same time, it looks like maybe Doctor Strange is saying... That Dormammu is coming. Dormammu might be the next big thing. Um, unless Dormammu is just going to be the next big thing from his film. That kind of would make sense. But it, I don't know if Dormammu can somehow play second fiddle to Kang the Conqueror. I feel like 
that wouldn't make sense. Maybe maybe the the last the next phase ends with you know a big bang with a lot of different villains, or maybe there won't be a big end. Right? That's something I think that Marvel has done is where they say you know, just because we established a pattern doesn't mean we have to continue that pattern. So maybe they don't have to make Avengers films anymore. Maybe there doesn't have to be some big Thanos-like battle at the end of one of them. It could be just in Doctor Strange's stories that, you know, Dormammu becomes a thing that does threaten the entire world and that's just as big as Thanos, but it's just called Doctor Strange Part 3, right? And then if you go over to, let's say, uh, you know, Black Panther 2, um, I think my son was talking about those some some um, hints in Endgame, then maybe Namor and Atlantis might become a big threat for Wakanda and Black Panther 2. Of course, these are just rumors and just theories. But um, yeah, I mean, to them in that situation, that would be a huge threat to their their civilization, right? Um, obviously, while all this is going on, you got the Eternals out there. The Eternals are, are you know presenting the possibility of cosmic level threats. I mean, things that it could destroy the planet. In the movies Eternals, it's kind of weird because something happens on that planet that's so devastating that it almost destroyed the whole world. And it's difficult to pinpoint when that happens and when that takes place right now because you would think that somebody would be talking about that in Moon Knight. Like, everyone on the planet would be different now if somehow they saw this giant creature come out the center of the Earth. Like, that, amongst all things, after the Thanos snap, that would really freak people out. But I don't know if they're, they've cleaned it up or he broke the guy's arm off and hit it. It's just a weird situation to assume um, that something else isn't there yet. So I haven't seen anyone talking about that. I don't have a take on, you know, what's the end of Eternals have to do with any of those films. Um, and obviously in their their franchise, they say they have the Black Knight coming. He's He's a powerful character. It's just so many different things going on now that perhaps it's kind of like back when they used to read comic books. If you tried to read all the comic books, you wouldn't necessarily always look to just one big event. You know, they did get to a point, I think, in the summertime where Marvel Comics used to try to always have a summer event. But again, these things don't have to happen. I've seen um, some rumors, and I think these are pretty strong, where Professor Rex in the Doctor Strange movie is the Professor Rex from the cartoon. I, I feel like every single thing points to that being 100% true. So what universe the cartoon universe comes from, I don't know. But I think Doctor Strange you see in the movie is not from that multiverse's universe. So I don't think he's, like, I think they call it like Earth 838. I don't think he's Earth 838's, um, you know, Professor X. I think he's from whichever animated universe that they're going to, you know, do their animated stuff in. I'm not sure if they would can have multiple animated universes. I guess they could. But, yeah, there's so much on the table now where I, I think it's it would be difficult for somebody who's not into these movies or the, is to kind of come in at this point. But, really, they, they do a great job from a you know directing standpoint. The way Doctor Strange 2 opens, they drop you into action. You understand what's going on with the character. You understand he's trying to help this girl. And that's it. Like that, That's just a very simple story to tell, right? You, you understand they're running from some kind of creature and then... You're off to the races, and then this, this person goes and finds the other version of him. If you think about movies like Time Cop or The One, um, which are some of the movies with time travel and, and, you know, I think having the alternate versions of yourself somehow in the film, I think those are, are easy stories for people to pick up, right? You didn't need a, a big 
background to understand movies like that. Usually they're simple kind of action films, and this doesn't start off asking you to do much. But I think for the fans, it's cool that once you sit down, you can look and find there's all these breadcrumbs and all these other things that you can see. And it's funny, too, because a lot of it is just theories and, and people saying what they think is going to happen. Like, I was watching um, New Rockstars. is a great YouTube channel. I'll definitely subscribe to New Rockstars. And they point out something that I didn't consider, which may be true or maybe just their theory. But the first time um, America Chavez punches Scarlet Witch at the end of the film, she knocks her into the realm of hell because that's where she thinks that she should go. And she ends up getting out of there or whatever. I don't know if that's what that meant. I mean, she punched her. Maybe she punched her in some place. Maybe she was punching her into the realm of hell. I don't I don't know. Um, is that Mephisto's hell? Is that, is that what they're teasing? You don't know, right? There's so many possibilities now. And that is so exciting when you think about the fact that they're kind of sitting back picking the best of the best of Marvel storylines. They're picking the best of the best of the actors they can get to come in and play their characters in their movies. Um, you have Jim Halpert, um, you know, coming in to be Mr. Fantastic, um, you know, and I think there's just so many amazing things that they're doing right now, just in Doctor Strange too. that I think looking forward, like a Thor, you know, Love and Thunder, um, I've seen a lot of people talking about Thor's hammer being broken and yada yada, and how does Jane get his hammer, and I believe in the comic books the story was that at some point Odin decided maybe Jane would be a better Thor than Thor, and he gives her the powers. I believe I read that he like, makes a second hammer for her. I'm not sure if that's the, the, the case. But then also, I think the most obvious thing is that she's not Jane from the regular universe. She's uh, she's another from the other universe where there's a female Thor, right? And then she comes over. I think that's probably the most likely scenario, and it's that's a simple one. Now, whether they do that or they don't do that, I don't know. But I'm just saying that now you can see that in any of these films, we have a brand new range of possibilities and things that can happen. And so far, Marvel's shown restraint. I don't think that they've gone out of the way to, like, you know, they haven't cheapened anyone's death. If you haven't seen the end of What If, I don't want to get into that, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just keeping it to just Doctor Strange spoilers. Um, and then theories like Thor 2, that's a theory, or the new Thor is a theory. I don't know if Jane's from a multiverse or whatever. But you can bring characters around and do things that normally you couldn't do. Um, I know one thing that didn't happen, which I thought was going to happen. I thought in the What If comic, the, the whole cartoon, was going to be to set up Michael B. Jordan's character to somehow come back and be Black Panther. And I thought, you know, based on like toys that were coming out and stuff, I was like, why are they, why are they bringing up Killmonger again? I was like, yeah, I feel like they're getting the crowd ready to bring him back. That's not exactly what happens in What If. But I do feel like possibly they're trying to get you thinking about Killmonger again. So now the, the question became, a lot of times I think people would be more than happy to see Michael B. Jordan come back and play Killmonger. I don't or play, play Black Panther. I don't know if people would really be upset about that. But people would be upset if Killmonger somehow, like, wasn't really dead. That was, like, that would seem cheap, right? And that's the, that's the why I think Marvel's done pretty well with the multiverse so far, is they haven't been cheap. They usually find a way to go about it that isn't cheap. I think with Black Panther, there's there's a big issue where you want, one thing says, you know what, yeah, no matter what, figure out a story, get Michael B. Jordan to come back, get him to be good. Maybe they save him at a young age. I don't know, but get him to be Black Panther. 
and let's keep it moving, right? But then there's Shuri, and I like Shuri. I thought it was a cool idea to make Shuri Black Panther. I believe she does become Black Panther in the comics at one point, which at this point, I don't even think matters. A lot of some people do that. They're like, oh, in the comics, this happened once. Uh, I don't, you don't, doesn't need, you don't need that to validate what they do to make the story better. Um, but in the film, the only thing I think is bad about it in the, is as her character in the film, they don't show her to be a very physical character. And I don't know if there's still more of the leaves that can give you the power of the Black Panther, so that would still make her stronger. Plus, she has the suit. Like, she doesn't need to be a stronger physical character. I just feel like for her to become a really fighting character, where it seemed like she was kind of fighting with her mind, I don't know how that would go. It would seem like you had to spend a whole movie explaining this character's transformation into the Black Panther, as opposed to just having a new Black Panther movie where you're going off and doing more stuff. So I don't really know how they're going to handle it. That's a really tough one. But I think if you end up in a situation where Michael B. Jordan is Black Panther, I think people are going to like that. So maybe, um, you know, I, I thought a lot of stuff that happened in the What If comic or the cartoon was going to be directly what was happening in the Doctor Strange movie. And it's not the case. So I think sometimes from a storytelling standpoint, they're just introducing concepts and ideas to you and some of these other things. So it's not that that character is going to walk onto the screen and be in the next universe. Um, like, they weren't really specific about Sharon Carter's character, what if would make it seem like definitely that is literally her from the what if comic or from the what if cartoon I say in Doctor Strange 2. But then some people were saying that, that that she was that universe's Captain America, which is fair because I feel like it's it's painfully obvious that she's from the what if cartoon. But they don't explain that. Even with Professor X, they don't explain that he's from the cartoon. They tease that idea, so maybe it's just something that they're like, hey, look, maybe people watching this film never saw the What If cartoon. Maybe this is a good time to tease that they could turn into cartoons for the movie-going audience, but the whole movie-going audience didn't watch the cartoon. And if you had to somehow explain, like, oh, you're from a cartoon universe? Like, that might be, that's, that's going to be horrible, right? Like, if I say it out loud, you can sound how horrible that is. So, I thought they did a really good job when they explained the paint universe because there's no harm in that. Nobody obviously wants to be in the paint universe. That's like a funny joke, kind of gimmicky universe. Um, I think the quantum realm kind of sets up that idea that you could somehow exist in some other kind of weird way. The quantum realm has a lot of weird things that happen there. So, yeah, I mean, and that's not even talking about the new Ant-Man movie. That's going to be crazy. There's just so much stuff that you could play with there. Um, I don't know. I really don't know where to go with all the different theories that are out there. And I don't think I've ever been this excited after seeing a Marvel movie. Like, after Spider-Man, I felt like, okay, this kind of resets, you know, back to whatever it was. This could be kind of like a quiet life for Peter Parker now. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I've seen some people you go the opposite way and said, oh, no, now, like, the next movie is going to be even crazier with more cameos and more crossovers I don't know. It, it didn't feel like that to me. It felt like they were trying to close the book. However, if you watch the end of Doctor Strange Part 1, it seemed like that movie was going to go in a very more subtle direction, kind of involving just Doctor Strange. Um, and I think Marvel is really good at you know planting seeds and possibilities, but then changing with the times. And it seems like for now, for today's audience, the movie that they put out was something more updated, something more for what they needed Doctor Strange to do now. So I definitely don't feel like that the original plan for Doctor Strange is what we're getting in the new films. 
I did see an interview online where um, Elizabeth Olsen, the actress that plays Scarlet Witch, um, or Wanda Maximoff, you know, however you're looking at the character, um, hinted at her possibly being in other films or saying that like, they always make the, the actors, she's saying they always make the actors sign extensions in case like they come back and maybe they want to get them to be in other future films. Um, and I, there's lots of ways you could do that. You could do that with flashbacks. You could do that with obviously her multiverse variants and other characters. Um, and and Vision's a big X factor here. I I kind of feel like all the story has led him away from her, but it seems like in a in a way to finish her arc and make her like not such a bad guy, it might be a good thing to have him like come back and him help her. You know whatever like you know kind of calm down. But she did so many bad things in the movie. I don't know if you could just redeem a, that kind of character with a love story. Like hey, it's okay. That you killed like thirty or forty people, um, but you know you're in love again, so that's all that matters. I feel like that's a horrible, a hard, a hard way to go about it. Um, I feel like Doctor Strange gave her character an ending, because you know Wanda in the comics too have been known to be kind of crazy, um, and there, there's some new interesting like ideas of, like you know when Magneto comes over, if Magneto comes over, right? Because these things aren't guaranteed. You know, would she be his daughter? Yada, yada. There's so many things that, that mixes everything up. Even though I have to say Marvel's been really good at handling all those mix-ups so far. Um, and that they can kind of quietly change something or retcon the story. With like, oh, actually, you didn't realize, like, this happened. Like, I saw someone explaining the origin story of Wanda. And I was like, yeah, you know, that whole thing could have been a dream. It could have been an illusion. It could have been something Agatha made her think. It could have been yada yada, right? They always can think of a way out of it, especially if it gets you to where you want them to go. So, like, I think if you do that to do something that you don't want them to do, people usually get upset. But, like, with the Black Panther situation, I feel like they probably at this point could take any kind of leap they want to to get Michael Jordan in that Michael B. Jordan in that spot. Because everyone likes Michael B. Jordan, and they like Killmonger. So it also made sense that he could have been Black Panther, right? So, I mean, I feel like even though it's not obviously what everyone would want, you'd want T'Challa to keep being Black Panther, you know, but obviously there's there's not it's not possible right now. At least not... Like, like there's a variant concept, right, that they present in Loki where maybe you could have another actor just show up and be another version of T'Challa. I don't think that would work. I feel like people would feel like that's a new guy getting a job. Where obviously Shuri can take the job. Michael B. Jordan, you could bring that character back in some kind of way to get the job. I don't... You would have to have a really great young actor or someone new. And I think it's just too big of shoes to fill. To to come in and say, oh, you're T'Challa now and everyone's supposed to disagree on it. That's kind of what happened with War Machine. But it's a completely different situation because War Machine was not that significant to people in their hearts and minds when they did the little character swap, right? With a little, little swap out of, of how the actor looked. And that's funny, too, when you think about it because, you know, they introduced the concept of variants. But we all know War Machine is not a variant from Iron Man 1 to 2. They just switched the actor out and they're not talking about it. So now they, they've made it so it can be a plot point. But then also... Obviously, that's this example, maybe the one time in the MCU where it happened, and we just supposed to ignore it. So I think I think the moviegoers pretty forgiving ultimately when they realize that some of these things are just impossible situations, right? You can't write 
a perfect everything. But Marvel is trying really hard to come up with so many different ideas to future-proof their franchise. I saw, um, you know, they started referring to the Marvel movie universe, that Earth that they all come from, as Earth 616. But I saw this joke where, like, I think Kevin Feige originally, you know, um, named that Earth Earth um, 19, nine, or nine, 19,000. It was like nine, like five nines. Like one nine, 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 nine. Something like that, basically. Because that's how long he planned, he was planning to make the Marvel Universe stay around for. And everyone's kind of like, ha, ha, ha. But no, seriously, he, they, they've gone to great lengths to develop concepts that work with the real meta problems, the real life problems of making movies. And they've boiled it into the actual mythos of the Marvel Universe. So you can deal with some of the inevitable things that happen that sometimes derail a franchise, an actor leaving, um, an actor passing away. Um, you know, having to change an actor for some reason, you know, those are some of the things that always are going to happen in a long running franchise. And now they have different ways to deal with that. Um, you know, I thought it would have been cool. I'm trying to remember the movie to see if they did it or not, did it or not. I guess there's already enough Dr. Stranges, but they didn't show, I wanted a movie to show the variant concept because Loki did it, but I still don't feel like that's strong enough. Maybe maybe Ant-Man will address the variant concept where you can have other Doctor Strangers that don't look like Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Like, all the Doctor Strangers in the movie look like him. So, I thought that, you know, this is a good opportunity to show that, like, someone else could be a Doctor Strange. Maybe that's not what they wanted to do with the actor that's involved. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they thought, you know, just having other ones that look like him was enough to explain. Which is true. I mean, Loki has the advantage of being a much longer TV show. You can watch it on Disney Plus. You can rewind it. You can go back. Um, maybe for a film, it's just not. It's just too much stuff to kind of throw at an audience at once. So yeah, again, I feel like Marvel is kind of always doing the best with the kind of storytelling they're telling to not make those mistakes that they're very easy to make. It's very easy to say, you know what? Nah, just you know, throw a hundred Doctor Stranges in there. Who cares? But then I think that definitely lessens the significance of them. I mean, I don't know if they all have official names, but online they do. People have been referring to, you know, all of them as like, um, one of them is like Defender Doctor Strange. They say the first one's Defender Doctor Strange. I guess he's from a Defenders team from another another universe. I'm not sure. I don't know all that background. I've seen them referring to um, the Doctor Strange who passes away, and they build a statue out of him as Supreme um, Doctor Strange. I don't know if that's really, I don't know if Marvel is even co-signing that. But people online are, are kind of designating these these names to these people. And I, you know what? And that was the one thing I got after watching so many Easter egg videos and people talking about things. Like, it would be cool. I guess maybe this, this maybe this, they never will do this, but something I would like to see. It'd be cool if Marvel had like a YouTube channel where periodically they had someone come out and officially lay down some of these rumors but maybe their rumors is what allows them to be loose, right? If they don't officially say something um, in some of these situations, they can go any kind of way they want. So, like, some person had mentioned that Wanda could be a mutant. No one ever said she wasn't a mutant. And if it's, like, the characters aren't all-knowing. So even if you're, like, Tony Stark and you're, like, looking at someone's blood test or whatever, if you're not looking for something, you're not going to see it, right? Why would he be looking... For the mutant gene, right? If it hasn't been discussed or, you know, people sometimes get superpowers, at what point does it really matter if people's powers are coming from a mutation? Like, how does that become an issue? 
I think someone would have to make it an issue. Someone would have to come out and say something about it. And and I think a lot of times people are like, oh, wouldn't wouldn't Doctor Strange know there's mutants? Wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? You know, wouldn't everyone already know? And I'm like, you're thinking from it from a comic book reader standpoint, where like from a comic book, you know the whole entire universe. You're not thinking about the fact that these characters wake up and they have problems and things they're dealing with every single day, and they're not always looking into everything. So like Doctor Strange is not all knowing. He's not God. He's a wizard and he knows a lot and he's seen a lot. But it doesn't mean he knows every single thing that's ever happened. It, it hasn't even come on his radar yet, whether or not, I guess, there's mutants. Um, and even if there is mutants, I think sometimes you see that he is aware of things and then does not really care. Maybe he understands in the grand scheme they're not going to really impact everything. Or he's just like, yeah, you know, at some point it's going to happen. But you're not going to see him look into the camera and be like, I think mutants are here now. Like, that's, that's too on the nose. So I think these are things, again, that Marvel is really good at avoiding these obvious pitfalls where I feel like you would see a lot of people who, at least based on their fan theories and stuff, they would love to see that kind of stuff happen, and that would make for a really bad film. So I'm going to take a little break here for the commercial. When we get back, more on Doctor Strange 2, Marvel Universe, the MCU, and um, some things coming up like the Miss Marvel TV show, and a little bit more on Thor, and some of the other things we see out there in entertainment. Um, I will be right back with more from that podcast, Samurai. Peace. And we are back with part two of our Doctor Strange-focused, MCU-focused podcast episode this week. So one thing I wanted to hop in and talk about was the new Miss Marvel show. Because I believe we have Miss Marvel coming out, and we have Thor 2 coming out. And then Ant-Man isn't coming out, I don't think, until next year, 2023. So there's there's some interesting things, I think, that have been revealed. So if you haven't noticed yet, or if you haven't heard, um, in Miss Marvel, the, the, the show that they're doing for Disney+, Plus. Um, they've changed Kamala Khan's powers from being stretchy. And I believe that's 100% because Mr. Fantastic seems to be back. Um, they haven't really, you know, I, I can't say they've officially announced they're making a Fantastic Four movie anytime soon. But I think, you know, that's his power. That's his iconic power. And for her, she's like a Mr. Fantastic when Mr. Fantastic isn't around, right? So... I think what they've done, they've, they've changed her powers to be more like a light construct thing, like Green Lantern, where she can make things, she can make big hands out of the light. And it looks like it's a cosmic element. I think in the trailer she says, wow, like something like, oh, that's so cosmic or something like that. Um, and that ties her, I think, better into the other Miss Marvel characters that you've seen so far in the MCU. Um, and Kevin Feige, like they usually do when they make a controversial change, he already made a press release about this explaining why they did it. And basically, it seems like because the Inhumans and the Terrigen Mist and the whole problem with the Inhumans, none of that's going on in the MCU so far. So to have this character show up, which they want to have this character show up and have more representation and show different kinds of people, this is a good character, a popular character. And they kind of could do a very unique story with her background, her heritage, where she comes from. It's a different kind of thing to put on screen, and they've definitely been trying to diversify their characters a lot. We see that in Moon Knight. That's a topic that they kind of touch on in Moon Knight. Um, it's obviously a theme in Captain Fan- uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier. So them trying to make more diverse characters or introduce more diverse characters. Um, Kevin Feige basically said that you know in the comics when she gets her powers and she's revealed, it's at a very specific time in the comic universe um, where there's certain things going on and that's not what's going on in the MCU. Now... I'm not 100% sure what he means when he says a very specific time in the comic universe and what was going on. But I believe there was a time when Marvel stopped making Fantastic Four comics. I can't be 100% sure. But I do kind of recall a situation 
where there was some kind of dispute. They couldn't get the movie rights back or whatever. And I think for, for a lot of the characters, which they couldn't get movie rights back for, they cut off the comic brands. And that was, I think, to you know hurt the brands that the studios had to kind of pressure them into selling this, the brands back. Um, I think I remember talking about that once. And I think when they did after that, was they started saying we can just we can just introduce those powers and put them on other characters. Now that might be the timeline he's referring to, saying that's kind of what was going on there, and that's why the character ended up that way. However, you can still do that character. That character isn't her powers. Her character is who she is as a person, what she goes through. You can take that character and modify that character a little bit. Um, he did mention also too to help it be more in line with. You know her her other characters she'll be in, intermingling with. That is a Miss uh, or the Marvels movie or Miss Marvels movies they have planned, I believe, for the future. Where all the Miss Marvels will be together, um, and I wouldn't be surprised in that if they end up saying that like she was the first Miss Marvel or back in the past there was another Miss Marvel, and then she gets those bangles that she wears um, and gets her powers from. It looks like at least through the trailer she gets her powers from those bangles. Maybe it awakens the power inside of her. You can't really, sh you can't really know. I mean, it kind of would let them give them a Green Lantern, right? If it's like basically the Green Lantern ring gets replaced by her bangles that she wears on her arms, then that's kind of cool, right? Someone else could be pick up the bangles and then temporarily use her powers, and that's kind of a fun thing that happens in the Green Lantern show or the Green Lantern movies, basically, or the comics. Like, if you would think like, oh, if you can get that ring off of him, then maybe I can use my my imagination to like bend his powers. I know she's her being a kid, and something I saw in the Avengers game, which she's in, um, she is really into the comics, and, and I don't know if they'll go this angle in the show, but in the Avengers games, there's people and companies that make comic books and stuff based off of the superheroes that exist in that world. So it could be that, you know, unlike a comic book artist, which is the Green Lantern, second uh, um, Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, um, he's a comic book artist, and that kind of like you know gives you an idea of why he has such a great imagination and create all these you know, visual light constructs or whatever. Um, maybe her being a younger kid and having a big imagination could be why she can do all these cool things with her powers. Either way, you're going to get a lot of spectacle. You're going to get a lot of spectacle, and if I believe like I had no interest in the character until I played the Avengers game, and I thought her character, her story was really well done. Um, and then, you know, in most of those characters in that game, it was a little difficult for me as a fan because the actors were different than the movies. But she was an original character to that game for me. So now it's probably a little weird for me watching a TV show where the actress that plays her in the video game, at least as her voice work, and maybe the motion caption acting, because I thought that had some really good motion caption acting in that game. Um, I Now I like that version of the character. So then bringing it to the TV show, having to switch it, um, I, you know, we'll, so we'll have to see how that turns out. From the trailer, it seems a bit more kiddie. I have seen people commenting saying it feels like it's more of a kiddie show. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a good or bad thing. Maybe, maybe they are trying to, you know, age it down and reach for a younger demographic. I don't know. I do feel like overall, usually they, they expect these characters to be characters going to be along for, around for a long time. So I don't think they'll get too kiddie. Um, I think especially since that she's going to eventually be in the movies and stuff like that. I think that... They have, again, a unique idea for this character, something different. And something that they do a lot is when they change something in these movies, they usually let you know ahead of time. I remember Black Panther, you know, at some point in the comics, maybe his powers might have changed. But I did not know he did that whole kinetic energy redistribution thing. At least I don't feel like he always did that. I don't know from, like, day one if he did that. 
Um, and it was a cool power to give him, and it added a whole other dimension to his character. Because originally I thought he was just like a martial artist. Like, he was just like, like, like uh, Batman in that situation. So I thought that was a cool extra power to give him. Killmonger had it in his suit, obviously, because it's basically the same suit. Um, and now we all know that Black Panther has that power. It's not weird anymore. It's not different. So even if some comic book fans are aware that maybe that happened in the comic books before it happened in the movies, um, for the mainstream audience, now everyone knows, right? So I think it's the same thing with this Miss Marvel character. Even though she is a fan favorite, um, I think on a much smaller level than most comic book characters, I think that in the TV show, this new direction will be something that main people like about her. And then you always could down the road to kind of appease the comic book fans. I think after Fantastic Four movies, I definitely think you know, Reed Richards is another another issue here. Like you don't want him coming up like copying her powers when he's really the character that had that power first. But maybe in the future, like you know, there's a timeline where he you know meets her or something like that, or there is a Terra Jim situation. But right now, um, it makes sense that that's not something that they're going to do. So I think it's the same thing with you know Thor, Thor two. I keep saying Thor 2. I feel like it's like Thor 2 because to me, like, Thor Ragnarok is like Thor number one to me. You're you're into a whole new era of Thor. Thor 1 is a good, you know, first version of Marvel movie. Like the first MCU phase of Marvel. But man, you know, Thor 2 Dark World, the actual Thor 2, was not very memorable to say the least. I always feel like I want to go back and watch it. And see, am I missing something about that movie? Or, you know, did does it hold up better now? Or, I don't know. But I don't know anyone that watches Dark World, right? Thor Thor 2. But Ragnarok, which is Thor 3, um, was such a departure. It's such a new kind of way to do a Thor movie. And I feel like that is, like, the first Thor movie. Like, if I think Thor, I think to that now. Um, and, yeah, and seeing this this um, one they're doing now, um, Love and Thunder, I feel like it's going to be, like, Thor Part 2. So, yeah, I'm super excited to see that. I think it's going to be a really fun film. And in, in, in a way, it's like Guardians 3, right? Because you have the Guardians of the Galaxy in there. And they haven't had a movie for a while. So I think originally this was kind of the Marvel's intention to... Since it got rid of James Gunn and it wasn't going to be a, a Guardians 3, this was going to be their way to kind of combine both, right? You add Thor. You don't do Guardians movies without James Gunn anymore. You kind of just do these new movies where, like, it could be this whole new thing. But I believe now we have officially got Guardians 3 back. So that storyline was kind of going to get left hanging um, with maybe Adam Warlock and whatever else they maybe we're going to touch on in Guardians 3. You can now bring that stuff back. Um, but you still have them doing whatever they're doing with Love and Thunder. And that's the amazing thing I want to point out is like Marvel has to adapt and do things. And I think people don't give them enough credit for that. Like all that can't be planned. They're literally just changing based on what they can do. That is confirmed from a recent interview I read about Moon Knight, where um, Kevin Feige had said that him and Oscar Isaac had talked about the Moon Knight idea like five years ago and simply could not find time to start making it because uh, of Oscar Isaac's busy schedule. And now they made it now. Um, I read that there were some cameos planned for it that obviously would have kind of give you a better time frame as to when Moon Knight is supposed to be going on. And they cut the cameos because they like to show how it was. They didn't need the cameos. So it's crazy to think that they're doing such connected storytelling that's doing a really good job and not really creating a bunch of plot holes and overwriting each other, yet they're kind of improving to a degree. It's like a controlled chaos where they're moving forward and they have some ideas, but they keep it kind of loose. So then, then over time, once they're really sure about something, they can iron that down as the mythos and part of the rules of the universe 
without kind of like sticking themselves and, and getting caught. Some other things I think that are interesting is that, you know, uh, one thing I read was that Marvel has to be pretty flexible about some of the things they do. Um, like, for example, if you guys haven't seen or haven't heard yet, Christian Bale is going to be in Thor 2. So, or <laughs> Thor, I keep calling it Thor 2. Thor, Love and Thunder. I don't mean to keep doing that. I can't help it. It's Thor 2 to me. I don't care. Uh, so, um, yeah, and in Moon Knight, there's something going on, without giving spoilers to Moon Knight, that, you know, could have been affected by things happening in Thor. An interesting thing I read was that Moon Knight could have come out, or kind of was scheduled to come out after Thor. So some of the things they would have filmed would have actually spoiled some of the things that would have happened in Thor, since Thor didn't end up coming out, you know, after or before. So, like, in... A lot of people always ask, it's almost, to me, at this point, I don't know why people care. People keep asking all the time whenever they're introducing a new character, well, why doesn't that character show up to fight Thanos, right? It's like every single character that's ever existed needed to be at the fight to fight Thanos. Like, that's not necessary. Like, every war that happens on Earth doesn't have every guy with a gun showing up to that war. Like, they already brought a ton of people. They brought everyone that that I guess they could have thought of in that situation, right? And from a movie style standpoint, like, I feel like sometimes people like, it's like, come on, man, it's a movie. Like, they have 60-something actors in one movie, never been done before, and, like, what are you, what are you asking for? That, like, every character that existed ever... Like, who would they even be fighting? It's already too many people to fight one guy. It's all fighting Thanos. Ultimately, it's only, like, a few of them squaring up one by one with Thanos. Like, what are we asking for? So, like, this is a situation now that seems like it could happen with Thor, where certain events that may happen in Thor Love and Thunder are going to affect some of the other characters, namely Moon Knight, right? Because Moon Knight's character has a mystical element to that character. So, it was, there was actually, like, alternative versions of the, of the screenplay meant for the Moon Knight show that would have referenced things that happened in Thor or didn't. I don't, I don't know if they filmed the scenes, like, both ways. But that's crazy, or even that Marvel sense, you're dealing with the actual logistics of real life, you know, getting people to record, you know, time scheduling when actors can show up and stuff like that, that Moon Knight may have came out, you know, after Thor, and then they were, like, in a position where they have to kind of comment on some of the things in Thor, because it would feel like, since there's mystical elements in both of them, that if they didn't comment on the things that happened in Thor, that would seem kind of crazy. However, if you do it the opposite and Moon Knight comes first, there's no reason Moon Knight's character or anybody on the show should be talking about anything that happens with Thor's characters. So it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's a lot of ways to make mistakes. And I think, again, when people give you know, Marvel uh, you know, criticisms for things that they do, I think it's kind of crazy. Because they're, they've gotten through this whole thing. I'm sure you can look back and find you know, some, some storylines that didn't pay off. Um, but I feel like a lot of times those things are reaching. And when people say there's plot holes, I feel like it's always these plot conveniences. Like, it's just something that hasn't been discussed yet. So one thing I was researching that I saw was, um, I mean, my friend was talking about this, so if he's listening, he'll know what I'm talking about him. Um, but one reference, um, or it might be my son, actually. I don't know who said this, but they make a reference in Doctor Strange 2 to the Fantastic Four. And he makes a joke like, oh, didn't you guys chart in the 60s? So it made people think, well, wait. Is he saying that the Fantastic Four has always existed? I don't think that's the case because if you're saying that, that would mean Reed Richards is... This, these movies take place, I believe, in what's like 2025 at this point. I think they're five years 
into the future, maybe 2027, actually. So Reed Richards would have to be, if he was a hero like in his 20s or 30s, in the 60s, he'd be a lot older now. I don't think that's what they're doing. I don't think he's 50 years older. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see that being the case with his character. I think it's more just a joke. It's a reference, obviously, like to the characters outside of the universe. But I did see someone break down and do a little story how, like, uh, a similar joke was made about another team at some point, you know, being like a rock band. I think Spider-Man, they thought the Avengers was a rock band. Um, you know, it's just a joke, right? I, I think it's, it has that reference to it. But again, that's not Marvel, you know, cementing that the Fantasy Four has always been around. Um, obviously, in this universe, when when they fought Thanos, they were at the fight with Thanos. So it's Professor X. So in their version of the universe, mutants show up. The Inhumans already exist. They show up. They're all there for that fight with Thanos. But in the Marvel universe we're watching, they weren't all there. So it's just showing you like different things could have happened. But that's not confirming that the characters are all in existence now. Um, but again, like, it's not like in 2028, if they make a Fantastic Four movie, right? You know, if, if a year from now or two they make one, it's not like Reed Richards is just being born. So he must exist somewhere in the universe as an adult. Maybe he hasn't got his powers yet. Maybe he did get his powers and chose to keep his family hidden um, because he thought that wasn't a good idea, right? Maybe they've been doing missions off-world and not doing missions on-world um, and then, yeah, you just, other characters wouldn't always know every single thing that happens on the planet Earth. Like, that's something I think that happens with bad writing in comics, where every single character somehow knows everything that's going on because they have, like, a satellite somewhere, or they have a, a person somewhere, and they just so happens to be watching. That's, like, that's not realistic. So I think that um, the Marvel movies, you know, being able to play with that kind of stuff are leaving some things open that we, other things can happen. Like, you want to introduce these other characters into the timeline, you, you need that, that basically, that wiggle room. The last things are kind of like Doctor Strange adjacent. Like, I got to saw, I got to see it in the RPX Theater, which is done by Regal Cinemas. If you guys never seen an RPX Theater movie, uh, definitely check it out. It's like IMAX, but they have an extra layer of, like, sound that really, like, makes the theater kind of shake. Um, you'll, you'll feel like your seat is kind of shaking. It's not, like, shaking like a motion simulator. It's just the way they have the speaker set up. It somehow gets under you. And uh, it makes the floor vibrate way more than um, any IMAX theater I've been to, at least. So um, I think that was definitely a cool thing. If you guys, you know, are in a place with a Regal Cinema and there's an RPX theater, it's worth the extra few dollars. Um, at first, I thought it was like just highway robbery, how expensive the tickets were. But I thought it was a very good value, a very fun way to watch the movie. And the last thing that isn't Doctor Strange related, but I saw it during um, the trailers for Doctor Strange 2. They showed a trailer for Top Gun. And I, I had no interest in the new Top Gun movie. Um, I like Tom Cruise, but I haven't seen a lot of his more recent movies. But yeah, Top Gun 2 looks awesome. It looks awesome, and I think you definitely should experience it in an RPX theater, or whatever the best theater is, you can experience it. One thing I like about that, which I think no other movies are really doing right now, except maybe Fast and the Furious, is having a story that isn't a comic book character story, but showing you some new things you've never seen before. Showing you some spectacle you've never seen before. I believe they kind of uh, created some new cameras to film the sequences with the jets. Um, and it's awesome because it's just an, another way you've never seen that kind of action happening before. I mean, they don't do a lot of movies about jets anyway. And the last time I think they did a real in-depth one was, I feel like, Top Gun. So these new camera angles and these new dynamics are showing you with the characters in, in Top Gun 2. I think it's interesting enough. And it's very simple story to understand 
you know, there's there's one student there at the school who has a past with Tom Cruise, and he's the teacher now, Tom Cruise's character. Um, yeah, and I, I thought it was very interesting stuff, and it seems like they're just kind of showing off the very beginning of the movie. They don't, as in like they're getting into what's going to like ultimately happen, or if there's a bigger conflict involved. So I, I think I'm looking forward now to seeing Top Gun 2. And that's a big kudos to Tom Cruise, because I feel like a lot of people have kind of counted that out. I mean, the Mission Impossible franchise obviously does well, um, but they don't come out, I think, as often. He doesn't make them as fast, I feel like, as other franchises get made. So I really feel like him and his team are really working to make Top Gun 2 the best possible movie, you know, for your $10, $15, $20, based on when you go see the movie. And I'm looking forward to that. So that's everything I have for you guys this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys see Dr. Strange 2. Definitely reach out. Let me know what you thought about it. Send some comments my way. Um, and hopefully soon we'll be talking about some of the stuff going on in the MCU, the new TV shows, and, oh, and definitely, I'm sure, um, Thor Love and Thunder, or as, or as I like to call it, Thor Part 2 officially, um, is, is going to be an amazing one. I'll probably have to do a whole podcast dedicated to that movie when that comes out too. You guys have a great week. I'm Sammy Rye. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.